to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to another Beulah Girl podcast. I'm Kara Whitaker, your host. Tonight, we're going to be talking about giving and specifically giving back to God. And what is it that God asks us to give in the Christian walk? There's a question you might hear around this time of year, and it's simply this. What can I give the king? You might hear this question in Christmas songs or in a Christmas pageant. And it's a question that may almost seem cliche because it's repeated so often. But there is something that we can give. And the answer is really going to surprise you. If you listen to the end of this podcast episode, you'll realize this really isn't an episode about financial giving so much as it is another type of giving. So I encourage you to listen to the end and I think you'll be surprised with the direction that this episode goes. Years ago, I left my teaching job and I felt like God told me to go in a different direction. I felt that he was leading me to take a new path and leave behind my career as a teacher. And so I answered his call, but it was scary territory when I did because we had always been a two-income family. We had always existed on two incomes, and I left behind my income, and our income was slashed in half by 50%. My husband remained a teacher, and we lived off his income, but we had to scramble to figure out how to make up the funds that we no longer were had coming in with me not working. And I had to get very creative about the ways that I clothed my children and and provided for our household. My husband ended up taking a second job and became a drive instructor. And he still is working that second job. He works on weekends and on holidays and just any spare moment he has really to keep us afloat. But it still has not matched the income that I left behind. So When I left, it was a very lean time for us. And during this time, again, I had to be very creative. So I took the advice of some of my mom friends who told me about these large consignment sales that would come through a few times a year. And I began to shop at these consignment sales because I discovered I could get a whole lot of kids stuff and kid clothing for a very affordable price. And it was one particular day that I was on my way to one of these consignment sales. It was held at a large church. But this particular church was in a a very out-of-way location. And I did not discover until I had already gotten to the church. I had already pulled in the parking lot. My son was with me at the time. He was about two. My older daughter was in preschool. I had taken him out of the car. I had strapped him into his car seat. I'm sorry, out of his car seat. I had strapped him into his stroller, taken him out of his car seat and put him in there, had gotten everything situated to go inside the building. 
and realized that I did not have any cash with me. And this particular consignment sale, you can only use cash or check. And all I had on me was a debit card and a credit card, which is generally what I use when I shop. So here I was in the parking lot feeling a little bit frustrated because I had to go retrieve some cash from the ATM, which meant getting my son back out of the stroller, strapping him in his car seat and driving down the road about 10 minutes to get to the closest bank to retrieve some money. So I went to go to the ATM. I got the money out, went all the way back to the consignment sale. And by the time I pulled back in the parking lot, I was more determined than ever to get done with my shopping mission, took my son back out of the car, strapped him in the stroller, went in to the sale and went straight towards the racks that I needed. And if you've ever been to one of these consignment sales, you know that these mamas do not play around. There are some mamas in there who are just as intent on getting to the items that they need as fast as possible because the good items go very quickly and you have to get there early and you have to be focused because the good items do go quickly. So I went over to the racks, was pulling clothes as fast as I could, looking around, making sure no one had found this prime shopping spot. And there was some music, some worship music playing in the background as it was a church. And I don't even remember what song it was, but I was listening to the lyrics of the song as I was shopping. And I began to feel this pressure on my heart. I felt this squeeze of the Holy Spirit. And I paused for a moment and I knew he was speaking to me and getting my attention. And this is what he said. I really felt like he said to me, it was, Carol, I want you to give some of that money away. Well, I can assure you this was not the message that I wanted to hear and not even one I expected to hear because again, we were in a really lean spot. We didn't have any money to spare. We didn't have any extra. And frankly, I was sort of irritated in the season of my life to begin with that we were on such lean times because we were in a place that God had directed us to go. He had told me to leave my job and I, I didn't understand why it had to be so difficult and why the financial hadn't really lined up the way that I wanted it to and why we were struggling so much if we had gone in the direction that God had asked. And so I took a moment to argue with God in my thoughts and I told him all the reasons that I didn't want to give that money away. I told him that I wasn't shopping at Macy's or blowing hundreds of dollars, that I was at a used consignment sale trying to get clothes for my daughter. I reminded him that a good mom stocks up and provides for her household. And yet every argument that I raised, I just felt like him telling me that I needed to trust him and that he was going to provide. And so I knew I had a choice. I had to trust him. And so I eliminated the clothes from my pile that I could. He hadn't told me to give away all the money. He really hadn't specified the amount. He just said, give some money away. And he really didn't tell me the person that I was to give the money to. I began to pray and look around and see if there was anybody that looked like they were someone that was in need. And 
there was no one close to me that really caught my attention. And I really just got the sense that the point was just to give the money and it really didn't matter the person I gave it to. The point was just to give it. And so when I got in line, there was a woman in front of me. She looked like maybe a grandmother with a granddaughter with her. We were talking as the line was progressing forward. It was a very long line that took a while. And so when we actually got up to the cash register sometime later, I just looked at her and I said, the Lord has impressed on me to give money to someone. I'd like to give you some money. And she gave me sort of an odd look and tried to tell me that it was okay, that I didn't have to give her anything. And I just said, you know what? I, I, no, I insist. I really want to give you this money. And so I gave it to her. She took it. She smiled. She got a big smile on her face. And then she moved forward in the line and walked out of the doors. I went to go and buy the rest of my things after I had eliminated about a third of them. And then I went home. And I thought that was the end of it. But there, there was another part to the story, which I'm going to get to. But before I do, I want to turn to the passage that we'll be focusing on in tonight's episode. And that is 1 Kings 1, 17. In this passage, there is a woman who is in need, but she was much more in need than me that day at the consignment sale. This woman wasn't somebody who was on a reduced income or was someone who didn't have a whole lot to spare. She was a woman that was about to die, a woman in a dire situation, and she encounters the prophet of God, and she's asked to give away something very precious even though she has literally nothing to spare. I want to go ahead and pick up at verse 7. And when we pick up at this verse, again, she encounters the Lord's prophet. There's been a famine in the land, and he himself has been at a brook where God directed him to go. Ravens have been feeding him, but then when he's at the brook, God instructs him to go to this widow and so he leaves from the brook and goes to this widow. And it's just ironic that God instructs him to go to a widow who is in need herself to provide for this prophet. And let's go ahead and see what happens in this passage. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. Then when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the women and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. 
I want to just draw a few ideas from this passage. The widow that we see in this passage had reached the end of what she could do. Although it does not say it outright in the passage, we can only imagine what her life had been like for the last few months or maybe even longer than that. We can imagine that she had scraped and pinched and worked to provide for herself and her son, but all that remained was still not enough to sustain her family past that night. And she encounters a man who asks for the very last thing she has in her hand. We don't know the thought process that went through her head, but she must have thought he was a little insane to make such a request. She wasn't merely going through a hard time where food was scarce. She was getting ready to eat her very last meal and die, and the prophet asked for it. This isn't the first story in the Bible where an individual is faced with a choice to give up whatever precious thing is in their hand and trust, even when it appears to be absolutely insane to do so. In the story of Abraham, he waited for years and years and years for the child God had promised. But after he had the child God had promised, after he had Isaac, God did something that, again, must have appeared insane, like it did to this woman here in this passage with Elijah the prophet. He asked for Abraham to sacrifice that son he had waited for for so long. And did Abraham think God asked for too much at the point? At that point, we don't know. Because what we do know is that Abraham got up early he packed the necessary supplies and his son. He went to the place that God had asked him to do. He built an altar and he did as the Lord had said. Except when he went to go bind his son to the altar, an angel intervened and told him instead to kill a ram that was nearby. In another place in scripture, the Israelites are in a hard place and have a difficult choice of trusting God or doing what they think would be best in the moment. They come up against the Red Sea because God has led them there. They take the path that God has instructed them to do and go down and they come up against the Red Sea and they're in a really tough place. They have this expanse of water in front of them and behind them they have Israel, they, they are being pursued by the Egyptians. And they grumble and they complain and they say, we should have stayed in Egypt. But Moses says that they need to be still and wait for the Lord. And at God's command, he lifts up his staff and the sea parts. And what looks to be this impossible obstacle, God makes a way right through the sea so that they can escape their enemies and get to dry land. All of these stories, like the story with the first Kings passage and the widow, show us how these individuals were delivered by God when they did as he said, and they simply let go of what was ever, whatever was in their hand, whether that be their last meal, whether that be their only, you know, their only, their plan that they had, their son, whatever it was that God asks. Now, and I do want to make clear, I'm not asking you to go and kill anyone. We can see that, that, um, God has specific purpose for this passage of scripture with Abraham and his son. But often what God will ask of us will be a death of some kind, not necessarily a literal death, 
Okay. We're not talking about killing anyone, but we're talking about sometimes he asks for a death of some kind, whether that be a death of a dream or a goal or a death of, of, of something in our life, whether that be a position we wanted to have or a title, sometimes it, it can represent, giving up can represent some kind of death to us. Our idea of giving is giving when we have extra, when we have something to spare. But God's idea of giving is giving when it is all we have. With this, some of you may be panicking and sweating and thinking, I'm telling you to go drain your bank account and give all of it away. I'm not telling you to do that. We see in scripture that it's a good idea to manage our money wisely, to save. God doesn't ask us to necessarily drain our bank account. I don't know. He may ask you to do that. But what I'm talking about in this podcast in giving in ways that are sacrificial, I'm not necessarily saying that these ways have to be financial at all. He will ask us to give of ourselves. And we may be completely dumbfounded when, when God asks for what we have, because it is all we have. But if we look at what happens to the widow in the story in first Kings, her gift is costly. It requires her to act in faith when it would seem the wiser choice to simply hoard what she has and keep it for herself because it is her final meal. But instead she gives and she and her son are saved when situations could have gone a different way. It's this interesting principle in the Bible that shows us sometimes when we give up everything that we get everything and much more in return. In Matthew 6, 24, 25, Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. I want to just point out to you a passage from Charles Stanley in The Blessings of Brokenness. He points out that Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice. He is the ultimate example of sacrificial giving. And in The Blessings of Brokenness, Stanley points out a passage where Jesus explains to his disciples this idea of giving in sacrificial ways and it's explaining what he's going to give up in going to the cross. And he describes himself like a kernel of wheat that a kernel of wheat falls to the, to the ground and dies, but it's only in planting that kernel that it multiplies and becomes a crop. And this principle of giving everything, letting something, you know, die in order to have life or letting it be broken in order for it to produce. This is what Stanley says. Jesus was teaching that as long as the grain remains alone, unplanted and unyielded, it cannot bear fruit. He was describing, of course, what was about to happen to him. As long as Jesus remained alive, a few people might be healed. A few might benefit from his miracles. A few might turn to God by his teaching and preaching. But ultimately, the world would remain unforgiven. Before his life could be extended and multiplied, Jesus had to die. Once he had died and risen again, his life could be multiplied millions of times, just as it has been throughout the centuries those of us who have accepted him as our savior and have been forgiven of our sins had our names written in the Lamb's book of life because he was willing to die. In turn, he calls upon each of us to take up our cross, sacrificially dying to ourselves and giving ourselves to his cause in order that we might live for him and according to his purposes. Jesus went on to say the man who loves his life will lose it 
Well, the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. John 12, 25. We must be willing to die to our affections, dreams, desires, ambitions, and goals, and then be totally willing for the Lord Jesus Christ to have his way in our lives. Only then can we truly know life to the fullest and find our purpose in life realized completely. We must die to self in order to become more of ourselves and eternally ourselves. We must break ourselves of our intense love of self if we are ever to allow God's love to envelop us and fill us. Several other passages of scripture echo the same teaching. In holding on to our own desires and our own will, we lose. In letting go and letting God have control, we win. You may be asking, but why does God require that something be put to death in order for it to be made alive? The fullness of God's reasons are known only to God, but we can see that this principle holds true throughout his creation. We have the juice of grapes only because somebody has crushed the grapes. We have bread only because somebody has crushed the grain into flour. We have fully productive and useful lives only because God has crushed our self-will. All of us have in our life those very tough choices where God will ask of us something that we don't want to give up. He'll ask us to give in a sacrificial way and we may be surprised by it, but when we simply give up what he would want us to give up, he surprises us by filling up and replacing and exceeding that which we give. It says in Luke 6:30, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured in your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I want to conclude by just telling you what happened as a result of my consignment story um, sale. What happened as a result of giving the gift away. The very next night, my husband came home with a gift card from one of the parents of his drivers. Now, he was working at an independent drive school, so he was allowed to get tips. He was working in a very wealthy area where the parents had a lot of money to spare. And every now and then, he would get a parent who was just so happy with the job he was doing and instructing their child and doing the job they didn't really want to do and teaching their kid how to drive. He would sometimes get a parent who wanted to give him a tip. And so my husband came home with a $25 gift card from one of the parents of his drivers. They had been so pleased with, with their his instruction and the way that he had so carefully taught their child how to drive that they wanted to show their appreciation. And so they gave him the gift card. When he told me about that, I instantly felt ashamed because when I gave up the money at the consignment sale, all I was thinking of was about the sacrifice and how I didn't want to give it. And, and I was thinking about how much I was in need. But I wasn't trusting that God could supply. I wasn't trusting that he would replace or provide for me when he'd asked something of me to give away. I was ashamed and I realized and was amazed and how easy it was for God to replace that little I'd given away and even give us beyond what I'd given. I'd given away $20 and in return, God had given us a $25 gift card. My idea of giving is giving out of abundance when I have something to spare. But God's idea of giving is for us to give out of our need. 
out of trust, when it will cost us something, when it seems like there is no way, when it seems that there's a huge obstacle in front of us and we say, God, I can't give this up because I don't have anything else or I don't see a way out of this situation. And when we do, when we simply trust and we open up our hand and we say, you know what, you can have everything. We don't hold back. He delights in showing us what an easy thing it is for him to replace and even surpass the little that we gave away. In conclusion, our challenge is this. If God is asking us to give something, we have a choice to open up our hand, to let him have it, or to hold it for ourselves out of fear and out of scarcity and out of doubt, not trusting that he will supply. God doesn't always ask for financial things from us. He doesn't always ask for those gifts as far as he did with me in the consignment sale. Certainly, we are to tithe and give to the poor as he instructs in his word. But just as, I, as he asked me in the consignment sale, the gift isn't always going to be financial. It may be a relationship that he's, it's not right for us. And he says, give it up. I've got somebody better for you. And I'm talking in terms of if we're not married yet. He may say, that job, I've got something else in mind for you. Let it go. Or he may say, I want your family to move somewhere else. Outside of this community, I've got somewhere else I need you to go. Whatever it is, let's do it gladly knowing that God is a God of resurrection. If it means the death of a goal or a dream or just the idea of how we thought things would go, we should know that he is one who can replace that which we give up or bring to life that which we lay down. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, sometimes your ways are hard. Sometimes the things you ask of us ask, require us to die to ourselves. and We don't always want to give up that which you ask of us because we're afraid. We're afraid that we won't have anything. We're afraid that when we give it up, that we'll be left without even enough to provide for ourselves. I just pray, Lord, that we would take encouragement from your word, from this story in 1 Kings and these other stories I've read, and know that when you ask us for something, it's not to be mean, it's not to beat us down, but it's because you have something better in mind. It's because you want to show your power and that we, when we simply trust and we're dependent on you, that you come through for us when we have no other option. I pray that whatever it is that you ask of us, that we would let it go. We would be trusting that we would know that you would provide, that you would give us the strength to sacrifice whatever it is, knowing that it's only in giving up everything in this life that we find true life and meaning in you. Amen. Amen.